Well, interesting week in the markets. Obviously, the Ukraine-Russia business going on in the Black Sea region and the weather has been really pushing the market in a lot of different directions. We're going to talk with the guys here momentarily and our visit with Coley and Kavanaugh each week made possible by support from the Allen County Farm Bureau. A key word there is support because all the big wins on key food issues only happen when you support the farm families that feed us with a membership. So go online too. It pays to be a member.org. Well, let's start with the weather, guys, because that really had a big impact on what was going on with the market this past week. And David, you know, the interesting thing was, is, is that, I mean, from the USDA on down, everybody was talking about moving into hotter and drier conditions going into the tail end of July and the first part of August. But then the Euro model came out here at the tail end of the week with a forecast that is a bit wetter. And that really kind of changed everything. It sure did. And that's the thing about the weather this summer. And I want to emphasize this. The weather is very, very changeable this summer. It's very hard to predict. Yes, there's a lot of cold air coming down from Canada. It gets pushed up by hot air from the Gulf. How high is it going to go north? We don't know. Now, they are talking about cooler weather next week, not hotter. That's what they came out with, cooler weather. And we're also talking about more rain next week. Now you start on Monday. No, no, it's hotter again. That's cooler again. So the weather forecast is just look out the window and see what it looks like. (laughs) Then you'll know for sure. But this is the thing that came out on Friday. And I want to stress this because no one's talking about it. They say it's going to be awfully busy weather-wise in July at the end and in August. Now, the the severe storm threats are really going to be here. Now, keep this in mind. It's going to hit both the Midwest and the Ohio Valley. And this same pattern produces to ratios. That's right. I said to ratios in the past 10 years. Mm. It's starting Mm. to develop. So keep that in mind. But I'll tell you what, (laughs) follow the European model. It updates more often during the day. It has better information in it. The poor old U.S. model, it hasn't changed hardly at all since it first came out 50 years ago. And so... (laughs) Watch the European model and get an idea how the weather's going, Rob. So it's a bona fide (laughs) antique is what you're telling me about the U.S. weather model. You know, one of the issues here that it's beginning to develop is kind of concerning, John, and that is some early planted corn pollination is probably starting here in the next five to ten days. Oh, I know. I hate to use this word unprecedented, but I can't really recall this time of the year we had corn so relatively short. There's some nice tall corn out there, six feet, seven feet tall, that was planted early. But as we know, because of the dry spring, there was still a lot of stuff that got planted late and stayed very dry. It got off to a slow start. And that corn hasn't really caught up as much as I thought it would. It's dark green, looks awfully good, but it's short. And now it's beginning to tassel and to pollinate, and there's still a lot of questions out there. So how is that going to impact the yield? Is it going to hurt it or not? But the attitude seems to be by observers is that because the corn is so short and it's starting to pollinate, that that means lower yields. Well, I'm hearing that that's not necessarily true. Do you guys have a take on that? Yeah, you've got to look at this really, really hard because corn is just unbelievable how it performs. And if we get the cooler weather next week and the wetter weather, the corn is just going to explode to the upside. That's what we need to have. If it turns dry and stays dry, the whirl effect that was set way back in June or late May would make it a smaller ear or a more normal size ears. But again, the corn is very weather dependent. And we know the beans 
August. Beans are made in August. It's unbelievable the way they work. Yeah, so going back to something you've said so many times before, David, and that is the combine knows. And so, you know, this is going to be a lot of speculation between now and when this actually happens. Now, one of the other things that was really driving the market this week were the headlines over the Ukraine-Russia situation. The headline that came out, David, from Reuters said, Ukraine to treat ships on the way to Russian ports as if they're potential carriers of military cargo. And, of course, the market just went crazy over the whole thing, particularly with regard to wheat, David, because, you know, 27% of global wheat exports come out of that region of the world. So not a surprise that when a headline like that comes out of Reuters, and, of course, everybody else was covering it as well, that it affected the market, David. Yeah, on Friday, we had a big heads-up call from the Russians. They bombed a bunch of the ports in the Ukrainian area. Uh, Odessa and all the rest of ports were bombed, so that did not speak very well for this. But the Russians are counting on using the corridor themselves to deliver grain. And of course, they're going to ship anything they can that goes bang or boom. And so, yes, they're (laughs) going to try and ship as much military into that country and military personnel because of what the uh, West is giving to the Ukrainian state trying to keep it going at this time. Yeah, well, you know, it continues to be a big headline maker, so we're going to keep an eye on it because it does affect our markets. I was just going to point out that the grain corridor being shut down is a big factor, and I think that one will work itself out in due course. But I'd like to point out that China imports a lot of its non-GMO corn from Ukraine, and I tend to think of Russia and Ukraine, I tend to think of wheat first, but the fact is, actually, Ukraine exports more corn than it does wheat. So this has a bigger impact upon the corn market than it does the Hmm. wheat market. It's almost twice as much corn that's exported through that grain corridor as opposed to wheat, which I didn't realize that the difference was that big. So, of course, we had the corn market take off uh, because of that news. And this is kind of interesting because we did have a super strong week. And uh, uh, last uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know that December 23 corn futures gained 9.3% on those two days. And that was a record two-day move by December 23 corn for the life of its contract so far. So, yeah, it was a big week. 9.3% increase in just two days. Now, of course, it fell back, collapsed again toward the end of the week for reasons that David just pointed out. And David, you left out another part about this Ukraine thing in terms of how this grain can move by ways other than through the grain corridor. That's right. You're going to move them up the Danube River and not down the Danube River. You can't do that. You go to the port and ship it up the river. Now, hey, Ukraine's going to ship out grain. Don't doubt that a bit. Well, John, I'm glad you brought up the bit about corn coming out of that region as well, because corn has really been a a headline maker this week as well. And it looks like global estimates of corn supplies are going to have to be adjusted here in the next USDA report. Part of that is because Brazil's leading analytic firm, recent estimates put the Safrina corn crop, Brazil's second crop, and the biggest at 100.2.4 million tons. But after a recent in-depth crop tour, (laughs) AgroConsult estimates put the second corn crop production at 107.2 million tons, a whopping 16% increase, John, over last year. Yeah, very, very impressive. It's turning out that Brazil's got a bumper corn crop. It's a big one. We were concerned about that Safrina crop going back at the beginning of the planting season for it, but this turned out uh, they've gotten the right weather at the right time, and that crop just seems to get bigger every week. And something else that is kind of interesting, though, is that uh, because of the large Brazilian crop, the U.S. corn prices in the world market still continue to be expensive relative to Brazil and, yeah. and other places. In fact, all, all other places are a little cheaper than the U.S. 
and that's hurt U.S. corn exports. But what is interesting, this kind of skews things a little bit, but they're in the middle of harvest right now for this second corn crop. But even though the Brazilian corn prices are a little cheaper than the U.S., the prices are not dropping as much as you would expect during the harvest season. Mm. And the reason why apparently is we talk about poor corn demand. Well, we're talking about poor corn demand coming out of the U.S. This is telling us that world corn demand is still pretty strong. Well, you know, one of the other things coming out of Brazil, obviously, is soybeans and uh, China's soybean imports from Brazil in June, up 32% from a year earlier. And of course, as you're mentioning there, the price spread between U.S. and Brazilian values have a lot more boats, at least out of China, headed southbound to pick up some of the not only the better deals, but the fact that they got a whole lot of it. So we're going to see how that's going to impact things. Uh, David, you got anything that we need to be paying attention to? Cattle on feed report was out on Friday, and they're looking for a big drop in cattle numbers. And the Brazilians are trying to produce as much cattle. They're the biggest producing nation in the world for beef. So keep that in mind. I'm glad you brought up beef because I was going to ask you about hogs. The pork prices have blown up. Yes. And remember all the winter storms we had over the East Coast and hitting the Carolinas. It's your, one of your biggest states to produce pork. Iowa's been uh, compromised quite a bit. Plus, California has changed their rules about producing pork and that part of the world. And because of that, pork now is more of a question in California where they have to import more from other states. That also is driving the pork market up. Plus, consumer demand for pork is staying strong because it's fairly cheap relative to beef. And that's starting to catch the consumer interest. we got a lot of barbecues going right now. It's summertime, you know. I have pork ribs on a barbecue. Nothing beats that. Well, listen, we can't get out of here. Well, we could try to get out of here, but Kavanaugh's still going to jump in and say he's got something else that he wants to tell us. So we just set aside some time. <laughs> it's called the final word. Well, I'm going to talk about the weather. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And I heard David say that it's very hard to predict the weather. Is that right, David? Said yes. that. <laughs> it's like a baby's diaper, John. It's hard to predict when you change that thing. And when you do change it, 15 minutes later, you got to change it again. <laughs> That's a good analogy. Perfect. I like that. But, of course, there's an awful lot of discussion about drought, and I just have a comment about that. First of all, the area of corn and soybeans being affected by drought has gone down in the past week. Right now, corn 55% is being affected. That's gone down 9 percentage points. And soybeans 50% being affected. That's down 7 percentage points. But I just have an observation about drought, and I look around, and I'll have to say that it sure doesn't look like a drought. In fact, this is the greenest drought that I've ever seen. <laughs> You're so right. What a great way to end. Thanks, guys. The visit each week with Colleen and Kavanaugh made possible by support from the Allen County Farm Bureau. Indiana farm families are working daily to feed our nation. And that makes it hard to go to the state capitol or even Washington, D.C. to educate lawmakers about the issues that affect the production of the most abundant food supplies anywhere in the world. Now, when you support the Farm Bureau with a membership, you're supporting the farm families, the farmers that feed us. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.